One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, guys, tonight we're going to talk about uh, Jesus as the door, the gate of heaven. Jesus conquered this world. He actually took the keys of life and death, right? He, he took sin to the grave. He ascends out of the grave with not only the keys of life, but the keys of death. He holds all keys. He's the master key holder, right? So he is actually the door, okay? So we're going to talk about Jesus as um, the gate or the door to heaven here tonight and why that's so important that you know Jesus not only as the one who cleanses you of your sin, but the one who gives you access to the Father, Okay? In Isaiah 22, 22, um, there's a prophecy uh, that says, the key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, speaking of Christ. So he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one will open. That's connected to the authority of Christ. All authority is in the hand of Christ, right? It doesn't matter how bad the, is your answer. He is, or the situation, the curse, no matter how bad it is, Jesus is your answer. He is the master key holder, okay? If you, if you are suffering with depression, if you are suffering with sickness, there is no, um, there, it's not about how heavy the darkness is. It's about connecting to the one that has the key. Are you with me? Because the one that has the key He opens that no one closes, and He closes that no one opens. Amen? That's the prophecy. And Amos, in the book of Amos, as he's lamenting for Jerusalem, he says that when the Messiah comes, that He would restore the tent of David, the tabernacle. Okay? And what that means is that that, uh, Jesus didn't just come as the Son of God. It says He came as the Son of David. David had this unique access because his heart was connected to, to, the, to the Father in this unique relationship, David had access to the Father's voice, right? To his presence. And because of that, he brought the supernatural down to earth. And there's this covenant that the Lord made with David. David was so in love with God himself that God spoke to David and said, I'm going to make you a house. Okay, did you ever hear that story? David says, there's nowhere for the Lord to rest. I'm going to build him a house. And, and, and the Lord woke up the prophet and says, you go tell David that I will make him a house, that my presence will rest on him. Amen. And that is why when Jesus came, he didn't just come as Jesus the Messiah. It says he came as the son of David, right? The prophecy fulfilled that he would have the keys of life and death, that he would open doors that no man could close and close doors that no no man could open. And so, you know, John, after he experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, after Jesus on the cross went to hell, coming up with all authority, there was nothing hindering man 
from the throne room of God after the Holy Spirit was poured out. Well, after the Holy Spirit was poured out. Amen? And when the Holy Spirit, that's why the, the outpour of the Holy Spirit is so important, is because when the outpour of the Holy Spirit happens on a person, all authority, the one who has all authority, the one who has all keys, you have access by the Spirit into the throne room of God. Amen? When John was baptized in the Holy Ghost, he has an encounter in the book. He, wrote, he writes the book of Revelation when he has an encounter in the throne room, in heaven, right? In, in Revelation chapter 4, that it says, um, Behold, a door I see open in heaven. He's seeing Jesus as the door. He's seeing Jesus as the gate, the one who, who you know, think about this. Jesus has this unique ability to take you out of this limited, bound um, world, this imprisoning world, and by your Spirit, you have access to the throne room of God. Amen? Man, I, I mean, if you, when you have that revelation, you're not focused on, oh my gosh, I, I can't stop this sin. Oh my gosh, I can't um, be good enough. I can't do right. There's this love affair that is birthed out of, oh my goodness, the purpose of Christ wasn't just to wash me, but to give me access to the supernatural, the same place where David went to get the Psalms, the same place where David went to get the flowing river, the song, uh, uh, the supernatural song that would come, the way he played the harp, that's all came out of the throne room. And as Christ conquered the world, so many Christians don't actually take hold of the fullness of what Christ gave them. They hear a lot of preaching and a lot of uh, things that they grow up in recognizing that Jesus had washed sin, but they never grab hold of the fact that the Father wants to see you face to face. Amen? You see, the Father wants to see all of us face to face. He wants such a relationship that when you get out of bed in the morning and you begin to pray, it's because you're in love and you know that He's going to speak to you as you come boldly into the throne room of grace. Are you with me, guys? You see, when the church was being birthed in Acts chapter 15, they all come together in Jerusalem, all the, the apostles, everybody's talking, and they're saying all these religious guys are trying to bring us back to the routines of the synagogue and they actually, James actually references the book of Amos and he talks about the Father's promise that He would restore the tabernacle of David. That through Christ, the presence of God would come upon man and when the Spirit of God, the presence, rests on a man, that's a symbol. That's, an, that's like a, you have this key. You have this ability that you are never alone right? You are never on your own and you have the ability to hear your father's voice. And I'm, I'm going deep into this because a lot of people fall into this trap of how do I get activated in a gift of the Holy Spirit when it's really about how do you fall in love and out of this love, the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow out of you, right? Doesn't that simplify you know, people, people are reading the book and they're saying, oh, I want the spirit of knowledge. I want the gift of knowledge. I want the, the word of wisdom. How, how do I get that? And they're, you know, uh, did you ever see somebody trying to work to get in the church? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. 
I got to be more holy. I got to get, I got to get there. And he's actually just saying, lay down your striving and enter my presence, enter my rest, and I will speak to you. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's why, that's why you fall in love. You see, you can never be afraid of not, you can never be afraid enough to strive into holiness. You can never be afraid enough to work harder to get into holiness, but you can receive the Holy Spirit and simply rest in the Holy Spirit and seek the presence of God. And when he speaks, he's the, he's the key holder. He knows exactly what your issue and problem is right now, and he's the key holder. You don't think he knows which key to stick into which hole to turn it just a half turn and move this door this way and reposition you. And that's how you have to think about when the Lord speaks to you, when you receive a prophecy, when you receive a vision. He's actually repositioning your soul. It's like one of those master twist things, you know, that you have to twist this way, almost like a Rubik's Cube. You have to twist it this way, twist it back way. And you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, that's so complicated, I can't get it. And he knows, turn this one three times, turn this one twice, turn this one back twice. And all of a sudden, he has the whole side lined up in red. And then he has two sides, red and green, right? And pretty soon, he, when he speaks to you, he's actually shifting. He's opening a door, he's closing a door, he's closing a door, he's opening a door. And he's positioning you right exactly where he needs you by his voice. Say this with me, the kingdom of heaven... Is voice, is voice activated. Say it again. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven is, voice is voice activated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see, you should center everything around the voice. Because when you hear the voice, it's built on trust. And it's as simple as three steps this way, one step back. You know, it's almost like a dance, right? I can't dance. My son, I might pull my son up here to teach you how to dance. But <laughs> anyway, there's one more thing I want to connect here tonight. Um, <clears throat> Jesus said this in Matthew 11:14. He says, if you are willing to receive him, he is Elijah. Right? How many of you know that Elijah, the, the prophet Elijah did supernatural things? Right? The word Elijah means um, my God is Yahweh. Okay, the reason why the word Yahweh is important is when, think of it this way, um, in Exodus chapter 6, when the Israelites are being brought over the Red Sea, they're being brought out of captivity and into the wilderness, being prepped to go into promise. He says this, he says, before I revealed myself to you as El Shaddai, meaning the, the God, the supernatural God. But I, he goes, I didn't, re, I didn't show myself, right? He says, but now I will reveal myself as Yahweh. Yahweh means the God who is with you in the moment, the God of miracles, the God of the supernatural. And so when Jesus says, if you are willing to receive him, he is Elijah. He's talking about the same God who shows up and does miracles, the same God who shows up and speaks, the same God who shows up and heals a person, brings a person out of a wheelchair that is the God of Elijah. That's the God that, that revealed himself to Elijah. Amen? So the connection point with this is it's, it's connected with you having access to heaven 
but you expecting the Lord in the same fashion to reveal Himself to you. You are having access in heaven and He is revealing Himself to you here. So the, the heaven piece is your prayer life. Okay, the heaven piece is you in your prayer life and you hearing the Lord. The Elijah piece is God with you in the present doing the supernatural and reaching into the world. Okay? Amen? Amen. And so I'm telling you all this because all of that has to be pieced together for you to understand the fullness of binding and loosing. The foundational scripture, we've been talking about it every week. Jesus says, I will give you the keys right? And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Who, who's Jesus? He is the gate. And he's saying the gates of hell, what, get, what hell has, uh, the, the gate that has swung open in your life that has caused the destruction, the brokenness, the pain, the, the sickness, the disease. He says, no, those gates will not prosper in your life because I am the gate, right? He's saying, I am the gate, and he says, whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Meaning, when you have access to the throne room, when you go boldly into the throne of grace in your prayer life and you hear his voice, he's given you vision. And so whatever you bind on earth, he's already executed it. So whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, meaning whatever you prophesy to be loosed, whatever you prophesy to be bound, whenever you connect to the Father's face, whenever He shows you visions and dreams, it's already done. It's already done. Amen? It is already done. And so it's all the simplicity of getting into the throne room, getting into the prayer life, and having this voice of the Father speak to you supernaturally because if you hear Him, if you see a vision, if He speaks to you, He's actually giving you keys to your life, giving you keys to the people around you because He's the master key holder and He's entrusting those who enter into His presence in prayer and supernaturally He's giving you keys to your life. Amen? Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I need keys in my life. Flood my heart with vision. Flood my heart with dreams. I'm coming boldly to the throne of grace. No longer will I look at you with limitation. But I know you gave me access to have face-to-face -face encounters. With the living God. The living God. Amen? Amen? All right, now lay, that, lay your hand on the person beside you. Say this, say in the name of Jesus. I decree over you. Encounters in the Holy Ghost. I pray for you. I invoke the birthright. That says you have access to his face. So I prophesy over you the encounter of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, guys. Um, I want to talk to you about a dream I had because I think the Lord wants to impart something here to you tonight that's connected with His heart, okay? Because like I said, I had a completely different message um, until yesterday, um, midday, and the Lord dropped this in my spirit 
about what he wanted me to talk and do tonight. Um, so I'm going to tell you about this dream. Now this is a crazy dream. You got to put your faith pants on, right? You got to, you got to like put on your faith pants. This is going to, it's going to like, because there's some details in here that uh, you're going to say, man, the Lord gives those type of details. Yeah. He gives license plates to people. He gives people's names to prophetic people. Amen. That's kind of crazy. But here's the deal. I had this dream. And in this dream, I was woken up and I walked out into the kitchen of my house. And when I walked in the kitchen, Jesus was mixing and cooking something in the kitchen. And I walked out and I said, what are you making? Looks like you're making mashed potatoes. He goes, no, these are Nash potatoes. I said, what do you mean Nash potatoes? He goes, these are Nash potatoes. I said, all right. Can I have a bite? And he took a scoop out. It looked like a big floating cloud. He took a scoop out. He sticks, he sticks it in my mouth. And immediately I start to float up into the air. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he grabs my arm. And he says, wait a minute. And he finishes mixing with the other hand. And he says, here, take the whole bowl. You're going to need these for the school. And I said... Okay, and he let me go, and boom, all of a sudden I was taken. I was arrived up in heaven. And when I arrived up in heaven, I, I was in this gold room. It was, everything in the room was gold. The ceiling, the walls, the floor, and there were, there were uh, like school chairs. Um, you know the old-fashioned chairs that have the desk on it? Um, I'm looking, and I start counting. And all of a sudden I know there, there's 30 chairs. And as soon as I finish counting the last chair, in walks the teacher. And he's got this white gown on, white flowing hair, and written across his name tag was the word Elijah. And he has, he has uh, two things. He has a gold book, and he has, uh, he has a sapphire blue prayer shawl. Looks just like this. He takes the prayer shawl, puts it over my shoulder, and he starts to rip pages out of the gold book, crinkle them up, and feed them to me. And he says, your assignment is to fill this classroom. I said, what do you mean? I'm having this discussion with Elijah. He says, your assignment is to fill this classroom. And as he's feeding me the book and feeding me the book, it's like it got heavier and heavier and heavier, this assignment. And all of a sudden, boom, the dream was over. And it just, it was one of those deals where it literally changed me. It was like I, literally a key was put inside of me and I was honed in on what an assignment of mine was going to be. Amen. But here's the deal, guys. The number 30 is the number of maturity. 30 is the, is the age in which Jesus was baptized in the Holy Ghost and the supernatural power started flowing through Jesus for the next three years in his ministry. Okay. What, what's happening to you guys? This is about you being equipped in the Holy Ghost, you seeing and hearing in the Spirit, and you functioning in the ministry of Christ here on earth. Amen? You weren't just put here to claim that my sin is washed. You were put here to have access to the throne of grace, to sit in that classroom with the Lord Himself where He speaks personally to you. Amen? Filling the seats is about a calling, right? But here's the deal. 
Elijah experienced God on earth. And the equipping of the prayer shawl is that you too would experience God here on earth, okay? But here's the deal. Here's what I want to talk about here for a few minutes. When I said the word Nash potatoes, does anybody know what the uh, Nash? I didn't know what Nash was, okay? So I start, I literally, when I woke up, Nash. I know he, I, I said mash, but you said Nash. And I'm like, Nash, what is Nash? And so I start just diving in with the Holy Ghost. And I'm, I'm praying and fasting. I'm asking questions. I don't know any, I have no clue what Nash is, okay? And so somehow the Lord takes me down this path of discovering this man named Father Nash. Anybody ever hear of a man named Father Nash? Father Nash was a guy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, read this to you because I think it's better that, I've, that if I just read it to you. Um, I did a lot of research on this man named Father Nash, okay? Probably two, three months, I learned everything I could about his life, and uh, I pieced it all together in, in uh, I'm going to summarize it here for you. This will probably take two, three minutes. Daniel Nash was a man who pastored a small church in upstate New York for six years from 1816 to 1822. He was spiritual, leading several hundred people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. In 1822, his leaders held a secret meeting and agreed to remove him as pastor of the church. He was distraught, fell into a deep depression, overtaken by the betrayal of friends. A year later, and still broken, he met a guy named Charles Finney. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Charles Finney? <laughs> in Finney's personal writing, he wrote this, If the pain in Nash's soul from being rejected and betrayed wasn't enough, he was struck with a rare disease that caused blindness for an additional six months when he met him. Finney continued in his writing, The Lord did his most crushing work on Nash, and by 1824, he was so damaged in spirit, mind, body, and human hope that he would return to ministry. All hope for returning to ministry was lost. Finney continued saying, but it was in the darkest, it, but it was in the darkness that the fire of God came on Nash. In desperation, Nash learned to pray violently until the glory of God came. Nash went through a complete overall of his Christian experience. And in an 18-month period, broken, buried, and resurrected, a time which was often referred to by Finney and Nash as Nash's second conversion. It was the deep work of God. In 1824, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, Nash and Finney started to go from city to city with the command to bring revival in upstate New York. Nash would go into the city several weeks before Finney was scheduled to begin preaching for the sole purpose of crying out, interceding for, for the living God to come upon that city. He would get the vision, prophesy the vision. On one such account, a lady operating a boarding house is quoted as saying, Nash and two other men have been at my boarding house for weeks, but they haven't eaten a bite of food. I opened the door, peeped in at them and began and because I could hear them groaning and travailing, I saw them down on their faces lying prostrate on the floor, desperately crying out to God and making commands. She says, I trembled in the presence of the Lord. Hundreds of documented cases confirm this travail, which some 
state that Nash would pray till he bled, most commonly breaking blood vessels in his nose. After weeks of violent prayer, Finney would arrive to preach. In some cases, it is documented that people wept in the streets days before the preaching even started. The presence of God was so dramatic that bars and brothels were shut down, not by force, but by the convicting presence of God Himself that caused many to weep at the altar for days. There were stories of people who lived in the hills 10 and 20 miles away from the city of Rochester, New York, somehow arriving at the meetings, not knowing why or how they got there. But Finney knew, saying, Nash prayed like a man possessed by the Holy Ghost. He brought the fire of God everywhere he walked. Finney went on to write, it seems almost impossible to believe, but it began with the judges, the lawyers, the physicians, the bankers, the rich people in the city. They were confronted first. It then worked its way down to the bottom of society till nearly everybody had joined a revived church. Consequently, the public affairs of the city were put in large extent in the hands of Christian men. It was a peaceful place. So integral to the revival was Nash that after seven years of intercession and preaching and the whole upstate New York awakened to the presence of God and the moral conviction of the Holy Spirit, Finney's days of revival ended within a month of Father Nash's death in 1831. This is said to be one of the greatest revivals ever to be released on earth. Finney affirmed during multiple interviews after Nash's death saying, I never counted on theology, never on entertaining messages. I never worried about how to attract people, a preaching style, who would be offended. I never worried about tactics needed to get people to come, never considered watering down a message or coming up with otherworldly enticements to bring them in. We simply relied on the glory of God. When I arrived, the field had already been plowed by violent prayer. Prayer shook the region and broke the grip of darkness covering the people. The result was that the, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit bringing great conviction on the cities we entered, it was all, the, the ground was already plowed. The result was that the powerful work of the Holy Spirit uh, was, was visible to the people. Nash, or, or Finney went on to say, with apostasy in the church so rampant, with churches having many decisions but few true conversions, with churches having many programs but little prayer, with much organizing but with little agonizing, we turned from that and depended solely on the Holy Ghost. We pulled on the heart of God till He came and deep moral conviction of the Holy Spirit did what the latest church attraction scheme could never do. People ask me, why are you so bent on the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus reached into my heart and turned a key. Amen? Because there's something that the Holy Spirit did in this process of revealing that He was feeding me something that was supernatural. That the same drawl, the same agony for, for this world, the same desire to see people saved that was on this man named Nash, who was the guy in the background who wasn't the famous preacher. He wasn't the one getting all the glory and his name written all over the newspaper. He was the one in the background who went in weeks beforehand and prayed and prayed and prayed. Can you picture it? Can you picture him laying on his face and he prays? Remember I taught you 
Romans 8.26, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession. That's why the gift of tongues is so important. Can you picture him praying? Praying till he has a vision. Praying till the Father says exactly what he needs to prophesy into Rochester. Exactly what he needs to prophesy into Syracuse. A prof- uh, exactly what he needs to prophesy into Albany. There were stories that, that uh, many, of the, many, of the place, uh, many of the people who um, owned the property who would rent to Nash in weeks prior to, to uh, Finney coming, they said they could hear him physically being uh, thrown against walls. They said he was literally wrestling with the devil. And some of, some, to some of you, that's hard to believe, but... When you are going to change a community, when you are going to change a city, when you are going to change something so, so big, there is a response from, from the darkness. Amen? And, but here's the deal, guys. There is, a, there is a, an anointing. I believe there is a cloth that the Lord wants to put on all of you in the same fashion there's a cloth that the Lord wants to put on you that this fervency in prayer, this desire, this need, this need to hear God, this need to hear the vision of the Lord, this need to feel His presence, this need to know what He wants to do tomorrow morning at Sunday service, the need that there's people dying on these streets. There's a need. And it's not about, hey, just get me activated in this gift. Get me activated in this prophecy thing. This is about that there's, the Lord is looking for men and women. That He wants to literally drape this thing on. He wants, he wants you to be a graduate of that golden classroom where you carry this cloth, where you carry this mantle that says, I will pray until I hear what He says and what I speak. I will bind on earth what already has been bound in heaven. I will loose on earth whatever, what already has been loosed in heaven. Amen? That is what this cloth is about. That's what the spirit of Elijah is about. And that is what the Lord is doing here in Toledo, Ohio. Amen? Can you feel the urgency of the Spirit, guys? Can you feel the urgency? The Lord is equipping people to pray. If you are equipped to pray, you are an army. Tell the person beside you, you're an army. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are an army. Hallelujah! <laughs> You see, I get excited because if you connect with the heart of God, you will find who you are. And a man who knows who and what he is is dangerous, baby. Dangerous. Dangerous. You're not just somebody that gets up and comes to church. You know who you are. You know where you're supposed to be. You know what he is saying and you know how to prophesy. You know how to change the ground. You know how to walk into places sensitive to what he's saying you know because he's with you amen and some of you may be saying well i'm just a kid this is this is so far beyond me listen guys david killed giants did david kill a giant was that way beyond his own ability do you think he heard something before he ran down to get to face that giant? He told Saul, he said, hey, Saul, thank you for the armor. Thank you for what you're trying to make me of this religious system. But no, thanks. I'm going to put this old armor, this thing that you try to make me look like the rest of these guys shaking with their knees shaking on the mountain. 
I'm not going to look like them. It says David ran to the river. He ran to the Holy Ghost. That river is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It says that he ran. He couldn't run fast enough. He didn't, he didn't even look at the giant. It says he just ran to the river. He reached into the river and he pulled out stones. It's a symbol of what the Lord has just said. He turns to that giant and he says, you come, right? I, you, you are the one that the Lord has a pinpoint, a circle on, and this stone is destined for your forehead. How dare you speak against my God? He went there with boldness. He didn't run onto the battlefield first. He ran to the river to pull out a stone. He didn't try to fight, take Saul's armor. He didn't take Saul's weapons. He didn't need any of that. He needed one thing. He ran to that river and pulled out one weapon that was deadly. I bet that giant wished that David didn't run to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Is there anybody in here running to the Holy Ghost? Your enemy fears you run into the Holy Ghost. Your enemy is afraid of you run into the Holy Ghost. Your enemy is afraid of you waking up to pray to find the word of the Lord to change your house, to change your city, to change your school, to get one word and trust that the Lord is going to change everything around you. Amen? You see, it's not just, it's not just one guy like this one freak named Father Nash. I mean, there's many stories of these guys who gave their life to hear what the Lord was saying. This guy by the name of Reese Howes. Reese Howes was, a, was an intercessor in England. And, and, and it says that Reese and his team would pray for days and the Lord would give them specific information about battles, about what was going to happen, how Hitler was going to do this and this. You know that England, let me tell you this, France fell in a matter of two or three days to the Nazis, right? England wasn't far behind, but there's this guy named Reese that prayed that says that the Air Force, the Air Force in, in England was outnumbered four to one. They, they had junk airplanes. By no right should they have even survived a day, let alone four years but a man prayed. But a man prayed. You see, you have to have such faith and conviction that the Holy Ghost is going to speak and change your environment, your situation, that your life is centered around finding what the Lord is going to say, what He's going to, what he's going to speak, and how you are going to plow the ground even before you get to where you're going. Can I tell you this? I knew I was coming to Toledo for a year. And I have a specific vision the Lord showed me. I prayed that before I got here for a year. I didn't know what I was going to do here. I didn't even know what we were going to call this class. And Barb says, what about school of the Holy Spirit? And I went, okay, you spoke, Lord. Anybody have a need for Nash potatoes? Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Feed me Nash potatoes. Holy Ghost, feed me Nash potatoes. I'm hungry for the Holy Ghost. Speak to me, Lord. I'm coming boldly to the throne of grace. I'm coming for my mantle. I'm coming 
Because I know you'll speak. Their cities are going to be changed. Their states that are going to be changed. Their nations are going to be changed. Speak to me, Lord. And I'll pray. Speak to me, Lord. And I'll prophesy. Speak to me, Lord. And I'll go. Come on, man. You feel that? That's your heart lining up with the one who has the power to change the world, who's looking for one man, one woman to say, yes, I will pray. I will search you out. I will find what you're going to say, and I will do exactly what you tell me to do. Amen? Amen. You see, when the Lord says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, he says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy. He's talking about you being flat out in love. You see, the average religious guy says, oh yeah, we're just going to kumbaya and love each other and everybody's going to get along. And you know, a prophetic guy like me, I look at that and I say, the Lord wants me to love my God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. I will pursue him day and night. I will find out what he's saying. I will search him out. And when I find a roadblock, I will search him harder. I will pray more. I will fast more. I will search out my God until he speaks to me. Because I know that out of this love, out of this promise, this covenant he had with David, this salt covenant, there were three promises in the salt covenant. The salt covenant says this, that David and his, ch- his children would sit on thrones for the rest of their life. The second promise was that the enemy would be completely at the will of God. The God, God himself said this, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Who wants that promise? If Jesus is the son of David and the father gave that promise to David and you are in Christ, do you have that salt covenant promise? Right? Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost, I invoke the salt covenant you made with David in my life. I expect you to be an enemy to my enemies. That my children will sit on thrones and you will make me a house. I will be the carrier of your presence. Amen. Get ready, guys. I'm telling you, get ready because intercession is going to come upon you. You're going to find yourself woken up in the middle of the night. You don't know why. And you just have to pray in the spirit. You just have to push through. You have to get what the Lord is saying. And you have to prophesy. And you are going to see miracles, supernatural things change in your life and in your family and in your city and your churches. Amen. That's how the Lord changes places. He finds a man who will pray. He finds a woman who will dedicate their life to hearing what the Lord is saying. Amen. Everybody okay? Take a deep breath. Everybody just take a deep breath. It's kind of intense, right? Sorry, this is an intense subject for me. Because I know that there's people under the sound of my voice that you're going to rock cities. You are going to rock nations. You are going to rock churches. You are going to take the power of the Holy Ghost places And there's going to be supernatural change and transformation where you go. 
because you hear what the Lord is saying. And so I got to tell you about a dream because I'm going to, I'm going to recruit you guys. Can I recruit you guys for a cause? I'm going to tell you about a dream that the Lord gave me about two years ago. And uh, yesterday at lunch, I told you that uh, I had to leave work because I felt this burden come on me and I, I, I couldn't shake it. So I literally left work and I started to pray and the Lord brought this dream back to me and I started prophesying what the Lord showed me in a dream two years ago. And I've been doing this on and off for two years, but it's like I feel this urgency on this dream and what the Lord revealed to me, okay? And so this dream, in this dream, I see two angels uh, come into earth and they're, they're carrying a vial of oil. It's called the oil of justice. And I see this one angel, he stands at the mouth of the Mississippi River. He pours out the oil of justice into the Mississippi River and suddenly the river starts getting clear. All the mud starts disappearing. And, and as, the, as the river starts getting clearer and clearer and clearer, it goes all the way up to the very northern part of the United States. East and west, all the tributaries become crystal clear. And at the same time, I see people running out of churches and gathering on both sides, east and west of the Mississippi. And what appears in the river is armor, okay? What I see next is the other angel stands at the mouth of the Potomac River. The mouth of the Potomac River runs through Washington, D.C. I see the angel pour out the oil of justice into the, into the Potomac River. And again, the river that is completely muddy becomes crystal clear all the way back into Washington, D.C. and up into its tributaries. Again, the people are running out of the churches to gather at the river. And when they look into the river and the Potomac, they see a coffin. And they start figuring out a way how to get the coffin out of the river. And they pull the coffin out of the river and they open the coffin and Uncle Sam is still alive in the coffin. And Uncle Sam jumps up. He has this fervent look in his eyes. He says, I have to get, I have to get to D.C. I have to get there. And he starts running. He starts running into, into Washington, D.C. He runs up and sits on the Washington Monument. And he, he pulls out a marker. And he starts carving into the, on the right-hand side of the, of, of, I'm sorry, the Lincoln Memorial. He sits on the Lincoln Memorial and, and he starts carving into the Lincoln Memorial the scripture, Isaiah 11, 11. Isaiah 11, 11 says this, again, a second time, I will awaken the remnant. Amen? And that's all I saw up until for the last two years. That's all the Lord would show me. And, what, and all he had me pray was about what I described. And I'll, just, I'll go through what the meaning of it is here in a minute. But yesterday in prayer, the Lord told me to turn around in the vision. And when I turned around, I saw in the National Mall, I saw three white-haired men hung in the gallows. They were literally hung and across their chest, when three, the three of them lined up, it said the word Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H. 
written across the first one was the word church. Written across the second one was the word politics. And written across the third one was the word government. And what I saw next is I saw Jesus step onto the Washington Mall and he loosed the three prophets. He loosed Elijah into the National Mall. This is what it means, guys. The Potomac, the waters of the Potomac are a symbol of the mud, the junk that is flowing out of, the, out of Washington, D.C. The muddies are murky. The, the, the waters are murky. Okay? The dream of, of, of America was not the dream of man. Do you realize that this is the greatest nation on earth? This is the only nation that is a free nation with a constitution that is supernatural. It empowers the people to be free. That doesn't exist anywhere in the world. Everywhere else in the world has socialistic, communistic, or Nazi ingrained practices in their government. This is the only nation with a constitution. It is supernatural. This nation is the dream of God. Do you know that Washington, when Washington um, had a ragtag group of men, which only made up less than 5% of all of the people of the United States, all, the other 95% thought, we are done. The British own us. We're not even going to fight. But with a small force and one man who prayed, it says that Washington would be seen at night with angels in the middle of the woods getting direction, getting impartation, getting supernatural direction from God Himself on where to go, what to do. And a nation was birthed. A nation was birthed because this is the dream of God. And Uncle Sam, I'm here to tell you, is not dead. The dream called America is not dead. The Lord Himself has sent an angel and the spirit of justice is being poured out upon this nation. And what's coming upon this nation is a supernatural thing. The Lord writes on the Lincoln Memorial. The Lincoln Memorial is significant because Lincoln freed the slaves. Lincoln freed a nation. He freed people who couldn't fight for themselves. And he could have ran anywhere in Washington, D.C., but Uncle Sam, the dream of God, ran to the Lincoln Memorial and he starts to decree four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth a new nation. And he goes on in that Gettysburg Address and he says this, we are in the midst of a civil war. I don't know if you know this, guys, but this nation is in the midst of a civil war. You don't have the, 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 the degree of how close we are to this being an absolute disaster. It is, we are so close, but the Lord is prophesying and saying in this hour that the dream of America is not dead, for I am awakening my remnant. I am awakening my 3%. I am awakening my people who are going to do a supernatural thing, who are going to gather at the river and pull Uncle Sam out of the coffin, loose him, and let him go into Washington to decree the word of the Lord that the remnant will be arisen in America a second time. And the prophets, the three prophets, are so symbolic. Elijah is being loosed in America. You see, in the government, the voice of God has been choked out. In the political media world, the voice of God has been choked out. And in the church even, the voice of God has been choked out. 
We should, be in a, we should be in an arena where if you go into church, there should be people walking all over the earth, hearing the voice of God doing supernatural things because the, vo- the spirit of Elijah is resting on the church. And the Lord says, I am loosing the spirit of Elijah into the church. I am loosing the spirit of Elijah into the media and into the political world. I am loosing the spirit of Elijah into the government And the reason why the Mississippi is so important is because it's a symbol of the division in this nation. And the Lord is releasing justice in the midst of the division. And He's equipping people. The armor that couldn't be seen before is going to be seen by the remnant. And the church of God that has been hidden for decades in America is going to rise up. And it's going to be about the supernatural flooding all through America. You see, right now, the media doesn't, if, I mean, if I'm in the media and I hear a miracle down the street, a guy just got pulled out of a wheelchair and I'm on CBS, I should be down there interviewing him. The Lord just did a supernatural act. The Lord just did a supernatural thing, but you hear nothing about it. All you hear is the murmuring and the fear mongering and the junk that tries to burn out your head, hold you down, cause you to be full of fear, manipulate your mind. Amen. But the Lord is saying this, guys, that He is arising in this nation a second time. That the dream called America is not dead. And there are people all over this nation who are being called into intercession, who are being called into a place of prayer. And the Lord is recruiting you here tonight to become part of something that is supernatural. Will you work with me? Will you guys work with me? Because the Lord wants to do a supernatural work in this nation here again, guys, and He's going to do it. He is going to do it. Justice is going to be poured out in this nation. Justice is going to do what, what the court of law, what man has built in America could never do. One drop of justice. One drop of justice. One drop of justice cleanses a river. And what has made what flows out of the, the, the government, what flows out of the political environment, what flows out of many of our churches has, is muddy waters. And you can't see what the Lord wants you to see. But I'm here prophesying over you tonight that the Lord is awakening you, the spirit of Elijah. Elijah is being loosed in this nation. Elijah is being loosed in this nation. So this is what I want to do, guys. I'm going to start to pray because I want to, I want, I want, we are going to intercede for this nation. We are going to intercede. We are going to prophesy what the Lord showed me two years ago. Say this with me. Say, Spirit of intercession, flood my heart. Give me vision for this nation that justice would be poured out. Father, give me vision. That the church would rise up. That our government would have a praying president. That he would pray in tongues and prophesy. And our media would be just and fair. They would not manipulate us. But they would speak in justice. And absolute care for the people. Let me pray into your your dream, Lord. Lord. In Jesus' name. name. 
All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, I invoke your promise as we stand at the gates of America. I decree that the gates of hell will not prevail. I decree that the muddy waters that are in this nation, I call them clear according to your justice and the outpouring of your dream, Lord. You are the master key holder. You are the one that opens doors that no man can close and close doors that no man can open. And I decree that the season of justice in America is open now. I decree that the door that holds the, the, the darkness over this nation, I break that lie in Jesus' name. I decree in Jesus' name that uh, the Isaiah 28, 6 promise that says that the spirit of justice will be upon him who sits at the battle at the gates. Lord, let that, let that spirit be upon every person under the sound of my voice. Father, you decree that instead of former shame, you will have a double portion. You decree that your sons and daughters will have a double portion in the name of Jesus. And I prophesy that over the sons and daughters of the earth in the name of Jesus. No longer will the muddy waters of the demonic agenda is still the dream of your sons and daughters in the name of Jesus. United States of America, we call you a free nation. Your sons and daughters will pray in tongues. They will prophesy. Our president will pray in tongues and prophesy. Our president will worship in the midst of the people. He will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. He will not back down. He will stand in the anointing of the spirit of Elijah. In the name of Jesus, I decree remnant of God, arise in this nation. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, rise up for plunder. Release your righteous right arm over this nation. Uncover, Lord, what the enemy covered. Uncover what the enemy covered. I call the dream of Uncle Sam. I call the dream of America alive. I call you out of a place of being hidden by the enemy. I call, Lord, the dream of freedom back to this nation in the name of Jesus. Lord, I decree in Jesus' name, Lord, that the remnant in this season will be like a mighty army. I decree that they, Lord, will march in the unison of the voice of God, that, they, that not just a statute on the chair, but I decree that the call upon Abraham Lincoln to deliver a nation out of civil war is upon us now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for the resurrection, the resurrection of Uncle Sam. I invoke the promise, Lord, of, of the spirit of Elijah. Lord, we cry out for Elijah. Come, spirit of Elijah, come in the name of Jesus. Lord, I loosen the prophet's the mantle of Elijah into the government, the White House, the Senate. I decree that the Senate will pray. The, the Senate will pray and cry out for God. I decree, Lord, that the House of Representatives will cry out for God in the name of Jesus. I decree that the Supreme Court, there's a turning. There's an overturning happening in the Supreme Court. I decree that the Supreme Court will pray and cry out to God himself and decree Jesus Christ is Lord, that science is not God, that science is not God, that the greenhouse effect is not God, that the fear of man is not God, that, the, that the, the way of the evil one and what they've called good evil and what has been called evil good, I decree a reversal in the Supreme Court. I decree that Roe versus Wade is overturned. I decree that marriage is between one man and one woman. I decree, Lord, that justice is poured out in our court systems in America. Lord, I loosen the prophets into the media. I 
I loosen the prophets into CNN. I loosen the prophets into Fox News. I loosen the prophets into NBC, ABC, and every news media in America. And I decree that justice will flow from their mouth. They will pray in tongues and prophesy in the name of Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name that the prophets of Baal that speak through the media, Lord, I pray that they would be silenced right now in the name of Jesus. I decree them silenced in the name of Jesus. I decree, Lord, that the eunuchs, I pray that the eunuchs that surround Jezebel would throw Jezebel down right now, that she would be eaten by the dogs. I pray, Lord, for the slaying of every false prophet in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that and decree a double portion of justice in the Supreme Court. I decree the tables turned in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, restore the ancient boundaries. Restore the ancient boundaries. Lord, everything that the media and what is evil has called good. Lord, I pray that every twist and turn that they've released lies into this world and have twisted the minds of this generation. Lord, I call them into righteousness. I decree there is a turning of the tables in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, loosen the prophets into the churches. Lord, I pray that the church would be equipped with vision, encounter, and hearing the voice of God in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, deliver the church from impotence. Deliver the church from being impotent. I beg you, Lord, deliver the church from not being able to reproduce in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would come. Come, Lord, send Elijah. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the orphan spirit that has caused this generation to be so angry, running out in the streets and willing to sell out America, Lord, I pray that your love would cover them like a blanket. Lord, I break that orphan spirit and I decree that the spirit of adoption is coming over this nation. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for the love of God to be released. I pray, Lord, release, us, release your righteous right arm and cause the children of this nation to, be, to know that they are loved in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray and prophesy there are people under the sound of my voice who will personally bring a 1,000 people to Christ, who will bring 10,000 people to Christ. There are people right now who will bring 100,000 people to Christ in the name of Jesus. I decree that you sit in the courts of heaven and a double portion of justice is coming upon people right now under the sound of my voice in the name of Jesus. I decree that that, those people that gather at the Mississippi and the clarity and the equipping of the Holy Ghost, that you are equipped with the armor of God in the name of Jesus. And I decree that there is a two billion soul harvest in this next season. I decree that the nations will be saved. I decree America will be saved in the name of Jesus. I decree that Toledo is a gate. I decree that Toledo is a gate, that this will be the place where hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people come, Lord, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Come, Lord, to be equipped in the spirit of Elijah. Come, Lord, to know who they are in Christ, to be filled with the calling of Christ in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, loosen the winds upon Ohio. Loosen the winds upon Ohio. Lord, I pray for the unearthing of the hidden serpent underneath 
beneath the surface in Ohio, Lord. And I say that serpent is put on the cross. I say that serpent is put on the cross in the name of Jesus. And that the power of Almighty God is coming upon the state of Ohio. Coming upon America in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. You prophesied hundreds of times about Ohio. Lord, and we invoke those prophecies. We cry out, Lord, for 10 million people in Ohio to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. 10 million, Lord. That's one in every two people. We pray, Lord, that people would bump into each other and get filled with the Holy Ghost. That, that, that Ohio would be a place, Lord, that sends missionaries to the nations in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every person here. I pray for every person here, Lord, that the mantle of the Holy Ghost, the mantle of intercession would come upon them right now. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the power of the Spirit of Elijah come upon every person. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.